0: First officer's log, Stardate 1224.3. The Enterprise has arrived at Hedimut 9, the site of an abandoned Illyrian colony. Illyrians are a humanoid species known for modifying their genes to enhance their capabilities and levels of function. However, because genetic modification is forbidden in the Federation, they have always been outcasts. Our presence here is part of a standing mission to discover what happened to them. Unfortunately, research time on the surface is limited as the planet is regularly swept by ion storms, one of which is fast approaching.
1: I'm your host Adam Bowen, and with me, rubbing light bulbs on their faces are
2: Emily Bowen Marler
1: and Rudy Kaspica.
2: Welcome to Strange New Takes. Today we're covering the third episode of the first season of Strange New Worlds: Ghosts of Illyria.
1: Follow us on social media. That's at Strange New Takes on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, Tell us your friends about the podcast and make sure to also give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. It just helps people find us.
3: And as always, um, spoiler warning for all of y'all, if you haven't watched the episode, we recommend watching it before listening to the podcast. Um, We may also spoil other parts of um, the Star Trek universe or the general sci-fi universe as a whole. Uh, haven't been able to spoil the real universe yet, as I keep saying now, every time.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, so at at that point, that brings us to uh, the episode we're talking about is Ghosts of Illyria. Uh, as Emily mentioned, that is the third episode of the first season of Strange New Worlds. Uh, it first aired on the 19th of May, 2022. Uh, it is the third of three produced in Strange New Worlds. I don't think we don't usually read that part because that's completely <laughs> redundant. Uh, yeah, so uh, this one was written by uh, Akela Cooper and Bill Wolkoff, uh, directed by Leslie Hope. The in-universe date is uh, 1224.3, uh, which is 2259, which, if you all recall... Uh, they've just been saying random numbers every single time with no uh, notion of the directionality uh, of time's arrow. And uh, that sounds familiar to how things were done in, in TOS. So I think we're kind of just um, following the guideline of, like, just say a number that you like, and that's what starting it is.
3: Have <laughs> uh, they, they tried 1, 2, 3, 4.5?
1: <laughs> we're, we're, we're almost there uh that if, even though that's that's before uh uh the one that oh no it's not before the one we're in i can't read numbers so yeah we'll see we'll see next episode if that's what they go for, go with um the uh the episode summary is uh wait do we do the episode summary before strange new takes i, I don't um, i remember. think we
2: kind of i don't know i think it kind of doesn't shifts. matter
1: what are you feeling like I, Uh, Right now, I said episode summary, so I'm going to start reading the episode summary, and then we'll do our strange new takes. (laughs) So uh, the episode summary is this, uh, from uh, Memory Alpha. The USS Enterprise encounters a contagion that ravages the ship. One by one, the entire crew is incapacitated, except for number one, Una Chin Riley, who must now confront a secret that she's been hiding as she races to find a cure. I can see that I'm not the only person who is excited to learn the canonical name of uh, number one. Uh, So thank you to uh, the Memory Alpha uh, uh, person that wrote the intro here. So uh, I see that you were excited about that, too. So now we're going to go for our strange new takes. Who has a strange new take for me?
2: Well, I think this strange new take can be illustrated by what has happened at the beginning of our podcast. Does anyone else feel like the pandemic has given them brain damage? Because I definitely feel like the pandemic has given me brain damage. And I haven't had COVID, so I can't like blame the long COVID brain fog that people seem to be getting, unless I got it in secret and my body never revealed to me that I had COVID. But anyway, I just find that that I I don't know. I, I, I can't seem to to make my brain work the way it did before this pandemic happened. Maybe I'm just aging. Who knows? But um, yeah, so that's my strange new take for the world and or for life. And my strange new take for this episode is I liked it. I thought it was a good episode. I am enjoying these characters. I like what we're getting to learn about each of the characters. I, I like that there's kind of a focus yeah. on each character each week and um, we're getting to know about about each person and kind of teasing out little secrets that different characters have. And I'm just, I'm finding it very interesting.
1: Uh, I'm next on the list we have here. So I'm going to go ahead with, with my strange new take. Uh, So the first one is um, uh, yeah. uh, So I I, I don't know. I I had the opportunity to uh, see about uh, switching up my monitor setup and I went with (coughs) an ultra wide and at least the current one that I have in front of me, I kind of hate it, but I also love it in certain ways. Uh, it's, it's much blurrier than I'm, I'm used to, uh, that, and that's because it, it like doesn't hit that threshold of Mac OS uh, uh, treats some monitors as having like a, a high DPI and other ones that it, it, it does not. Uh, so this one, it, it's decided to show me extremely blurry images for everything, uh, and my text looks like crap. Uh, so yeah, if you're looking to get into an ultra wide, uh, consider, uh, uh whether that's going to be a thing that bothers you. Uh, I, I have a replacement one that's, that's showing up. That's, uh, it's a little bit more expensive, but I think I'll be able to, um, uh, I'll enjoy the, the density of the pixels a little bit more. Uh, so yeah, uh, for the episode itself, uh, I'd say that this one is very different on a rewatch. uh, Uh, you can see why number one isn't concerned about endangering others with her contagion. Uh, And kind of my, my first watching of this episode, I was uh, quite frustrated with her for uh, uh, trying to kind of like hide that she was uh, having any problems with her, which I mean, that has definitely been uh, uh, the way things have gone in previous episodes of Star Trek where often like, uh I, I don't have specific examples but i could i could imagine uh uh trip uh would hide his symptoms for something and then go and infect the entire crew because he's like uh doesn't think that it's a problem uh and things like that and so i was just especially with the whole pandemic thing that we've been dealing with i'm like you're so <laughs> irresponsible you know what the hell <laughs> but uh, on on a rewatch it's very clear like oh she doesn't think that she is contagious because she knows she's immune uh, and she knows, like from her reaction, that she's already handled it, and that's sort of like what spawns the rest of that uh, discussion. But we can get into that uh, in the episode.
3: All right, I'll go ahead for um, my strange new takes. Um, the one I have for non-track world is I don't know if any of y'all caught it, but there was a bit of a scandal recently, or um excitement around potentially finding a door on Mars um which which was essentially like uh yeah uh, it was kind of like an entry point like you have to like the pyramids or like, any kind of ancient structure like but at right angles right and it was mm. cut in so um a lot of stargate type vibes um or if you've if you've played Doom or, or watch Doom Ride a door on Mars is, is a really bad thing because it leads to hell, right? <laughs> um, uh, but it apparently was just the angle of the picture taken, um, I suppose, very similar to the face on Mars. Um, this was taken by one of the rovers on the ground. I don't know which one, uh, Perseverance or Curiosity. Uh, and yeah, for a little bit, uh, everybody wasn't sure if there was a door on Mars, Uh a non-natural door on Mars.
1: Yeah. And, I, I do remember that, uh, that, that face is isn't it? Like it, it's only a very particular angle that it like kind of looked like a face. And then it's just like clearly not even resembling a face. If you take it, uh, with any other camera or any other angle.
3: Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. And I think it was the, that's why we call out the spoiler warning. Um, but I think it is the, <laughs> it is the crux or, or the, the, the plot center for, a, um, movie I don't I forget the name of the movie but it has Gary Sinise in it and they oh, to uh, Mars. Mission
1: to Mars Mission to, Mission Mars. to Mars yeah mm-hmm. it's one of, one, of, one of my favorites uh I I don't know that people ever talk about that movie but I I always enjoyed that one
3: I love that movie and that's that's like the face is actually uh the uh, yeah, face it, or something yeah like yeah that. that's
1: like the whole point of that movie <laughs> <laughs> Yep.
3: Yeah. and then for this episode um I I felt it was meh We'll talk a little bit more about that later, um, but I was surprised to see that Paul Atreides was actually an ensign on on the Enterprise at some point in time. Oh and my was,
1: god! Yes, had, had, I was had, had, like, why why do you look so familiar? Your mind issues. Familiar
3: to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, so Timothy Chalamet was the was ensign Lance who uh, who was, was the was one him. for showing symptoms.
2: You I thought know. it was, but I wasn't sure. I was like, I think that's Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> anyway.
3: Drum roll. No, it wasn't him. But the, I, I thought it like was. It, it looks and exactly then I looked it like up. him. Yeah, yeah. I looked it up and there was a few articles online because a lot of people had like confusion. <laughs> so this is one Daniel Gravel, if I'm saying that right, uh, but has the same build and facial structure. Yep. And, yeah, and I think he's in a few movies. Um, scary stories to tell in the dark is one uh, that I have seen. I don't remember him in it, you know, some teenage guy. Um, but yeah, that was, uh, that got me for a bit. So that's my truly strange take for the episode.
1: It, he should consider a career as, uh, Timothy Chalamet's, uh, stunt double. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> Cause he did ram his head into a glass pane. Yeah. Yeah. So he, <laughs> he's, that,
1: that was, that was his audition. Uh, he'll send that in, uh, for the, uh, when that actually comes around. Uh, yeah. So I, I guess that this makes sense for us to just uh, start getting into the episode here. Um, uh, so uh, we've we've seen a little bit of this planet before. Uh, just in the uh in the trailer, uh, if you recall, for the, for this season, we had sort of uh you saw a shot of the um what we know is like the ion cloud uh that is or the ion storm that's like coming in over the over the planet. Do we feel like this? lived up to the hype that you might have felt about seeing that planet in the uh, the trailer of the season?
2: I don't even I didn't know act- that I remembered that.
3: Yeah, I didn't connect it, which maybe was beneficial
1: because it sounds like it didn't live up to your your expectations at uh, i mean that's entirely possible <laughs> it it did look <laughs> extremely cool i i loved seeing the visuals of it so uh yeah i i i think i'm i might be a little bit also meh on the episode but i on, on my rewatch i i enjoyed it a lot more so uh i i think i'm more more open to it in general
3: and and so an ion storm is a celestial event right it's not like a planetary event right because like, it looked like it the it the way it, it encompass the curvature of the planet and like it'll look bigger than half the planet and that, and you know, right. Uh, I don't know if that yeah. was the,
2: so what are our storms called? aren't they ion storms aren't thunderstorms ion storms
1: uh, i mean they do ionize the air i i, I think it's, I, yeah, I, I,
2: I just thought, always thought that they said ion storms because they're trying to make it sound like star trekky <laughs> but it's actually just like what a thunderstorm is because i remember when i was watching the episode i was like well that's not like any thunderstorm i've ever seen before <laughs> like where there's like the fires of hell have joined forces
1: <laughs> you know well, well, that's because that's that's not like a, an m-class planet or whatever that you're looking mm, at right? that's true. <laughs> uh <laughs> uh, no, I, I I think I've gotten this sense. I mean, you, you're correct that uh, I think we just want to make thunderstorms sound Star Trekky. But I I think there have been some precedents for them being yeah like celestial events, like not tied to a planet. Because they, I think sometimes they uh the ship will just encounter an ion storm like in space. uh So I I, I think that at least theoretically they are something that can exist outside of a planet. Um, as to whether ion storms are real is is a whole whole other discussion. I I, th- I think you could just you could talk about like how coronal mass ejections and other other things that that stars do, uh it's technically a storm of ionized particles that are like going through space to to hit you and they do cause lots of problems. So like I i think th- those could be ion storms i don't they would not remotely look like uh what we see in this episode <laughs> but as far as like uh uh seeing a cool visual and getting some star trek things out of it I th- this seemed like it uh, it accomplished the job um but i i, I guess was anyone else just dis- uh disappointed or uh just expecting someone to go to like the mirror universe or get duplicated in this episode
2: I mean, I did think something like that was going to happen, but uh, there was also a part of me that wondered. So you mean it kind of like leads to the mystery of, you know, what's like something has happened because of this transporter occurrence or incident yeah, or whatever. Yeah. But I I had a brief moment of wondering if maybe Hammer did something, you know, because he was like patting mm. himself on the back so much. Oh, because I'm a genius. And um, and then I wanted <laughs> to ask him, but are you a stable genius? <laughs> but um. But like, he just, you know, he's like, oh, well, I just took care of that because I'm so smart, you know, kind of thing. And I was like, yeah, what if he's a little too um, self-assured and actually ended up doing something that uh, caused the problem? But obviously that's not what happened. But I just I wondered that for a little bit of the episode.
1: <laughs> well, I, I, so I, I just as we've talked about in previous episodes, I don't know that we need to go about this in like a, a, a fully linear fashion. Uh like as you said emily we we are getting a chance to like look into every different uh into a different character kind of every episode uh or multiple multiple characters sometimes uh how are you feeling about our 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 very uh grumpy uh chief engineer
3: i mean i think the sarcasm works it's it's always worked for chief engineers and in, in multiple hmm. shows and series um <clears throat> i think i think the form like i i it, it appealed to me um, the, the dry, the dryness, um, the humor, the, um, the self-obsession is actually kind of nice. So we haven't seen that in any chief engineer yet, right? Like, or have... Yeah, we...
1: it, like, like, I, I'm thinking a little bit like, um, uh, Bruce Maddox a, a bit in terms of like his, his demeanor, but we've, yeah, we've never had that as like one of our main characters that we're supposed to like. I, I guess maybe the most, uh... I'm trying to think in terms of like uh, grumpy grumpier curmu- I think we've had we've had curmudgeonly for sure with uh, uh, Dr. McCoy. Uh, I'm trying to think if we've had really like a grumpy character. Like may- maybe I-, I could imagine someone. Uh, uh, wait, why am I forgetting her name? Uh, Nana Visitor. What is she, who does she play, Emily? Major Kira. Oh, yeah. Major <laughs> Kira. <laughs> 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 uh, I think Go you could, brain uh, fog. Th- if, if you were to say, yeah, if you were to say that uh, that Kira uh, is grumpy, you'd probably get your face smashed in. But uh, but maybe maybe you could you could Kira? say that she's yeah, by Kira. But yeah. maybe maybe you could say that Kira is grumpy. But I, I'm, I'm struggling to see if I think if I there's other examples of like a main character that's like potentially as just completely unlikable of a person as Hemmer. I think, yeah. I mean. Odo, right? Like in the beginning,
3: was Odo's a, kind yeah. of grumpy. Yeah, Odo's, I would say Odo's Odo's Odo. Grumpy. Okay, yeah, that's, the, that's that a good life. I mean, there's nobody like Marvin from H to G two who's like continuously depressed and sad, right? But like <laughs> the robot. Um, but but uh, yeah, Odo and and I think it, it's a good dynamic because usually engineering or chief engineering is like somebody who's really smart but is always like on the wrong side of a whip when you are like, I need more power. I need warp speed and all of that. And the captain's issuing orders, but imagine somebody who's grumpy, right? Like it'll, it'll be like, like, don't boss me. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm the one that makes this thing go, right? Like I'm the most important role on this ship. Um, so I'm, I kind of appreciate that power dynamic. Yeah. I appreciate.
1: It, it, no, he, he's he's like the most realistic character, it feels like to me, in, in terms of like, I have known this kind of engineer, and that is exactly, <laughs> exactly how, they, how they respond to those kinds of situations. So I, I'm appreciating that like, uh, the person, uh, yeah, we're, we're sort of getting his, uh, his are take we... on like, I, I would have to work all night, you you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
3: are we talking, sorry, just to jump in again, Emily, I know you have something to say. Are we talking Guilfoy from Silicon Valley, if you'll have seen that?
1: <laughs> yes yeah he's 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 got a a, a little bit a little bit of that
2: i'm appreciating that um that hammer is played by a blind actor so it's not someone who's acting blind yes it's someone who is blind which plays differently like you can tell when a person i don't know i just feel like like a lot of times when you have sighted actors playing blind characters there's a i don't know it's just i just appreciate like feeling like I'm actually watching someone who understands what it's like to not have full sight and, um, and moving about the space as you know, anyway, yeah. so I just, I'm appreciating that.
1: No, I, I think you have a good point there. Cause there, there, there so, is, I feel like um, either you'll, you'll get the actor who like maybe just doesn't think about it that much. And mm-hmm. so like, I guess you can think of it like their motivation or whatever, but they're like half-assing the whole thing. But I could also, I, I, I feel like, uh, maybe someone who is sighted and uh, uh, is trying to, like, play this character might go out of their way to, like, make it look like they're not... Right. Like, they can't see all the time. Uh, I mean, a, a little bit like uh, 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 when LeVar Burton is is playing Jordy without his, yeah. his visor on, like, he instantly goes into, like, oh, he's very blind uh, yes, type yes. things. But, like, Hammer often... Um, like, th- I think that the, the moment that was, like, most striking for me is, like, when he is checking the uh, medical transporter. Yes, I had the he same exact like, thought. His, uh, his head is, like, fully aligned with his spine in a way that if he was, like, looking at something, it wouldn't. But, like, he's not using his eyes right. uh, for any of his senses. So, like, it makes sense that he wouldn't change his, his posture in that kind of way. And so it, it's just, it's interesting to... Uh, I, I, I agree with you that there's a lot of, I, I'm getting a lot out of his performance that mm-hmm. I, I don't think we could have gotten from someone uh, who, who wasn't blind.
2: Right. Yeah, no, that's exactly, that was exactly the moment that popped in my head too, was when he, I just, I turned to Travis and I was like, I'm really appreciating this because that is not how someone who actually can see, yeah, but is you'd, playing you'd like a the thing. Yeah. So anyway, so I just, I, that's just another example of why it's important to, cast people who have experiences that they're playing mm-hmm. I mean I, I recognize actors being given experiences they've never had before to stretch their acting muscle you know I mean I mm-hmm. understand mm-hmm. that and pl- you know but I, there's also something to be gained from casting people who actually have uh, lived that experience and can bring something to those of us who haven't that we wouldn't otherwise be able to experience or see or whatever I was gonna say C, and then I felt weird using the word C.
1: Anyway. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a, that's the problem. It's like there's, uh, especially when um, you're dealing with like so much of our language is like constructed by by people who who don't have to think right. about this ever. So like it, it's it is injected fully into every single way that of how we we talk about things, mm-hmm. uh, which makes it so difficult to to not like. Um, kind of like inadvertently like uh, constantly have faux pas that you're that you're causing like what specifically like when you're when you're trying to be sensitive to those audiences uh it it uh yeah it's yeah, it's sure. it is uh, genuinely difficult um yeah so i i, I think uh ov- overall uh, uh great job so far uh, uh very much enjoying the character of hammer <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and uh yeah so we can we can get a little bit into the uh the episode here so we um i had a i had a quick point to make
3: if, yeah. if you don't mind to jump in um um i actually lied when i said it's a second lie in one podcast when i said i found oh. the episode meh I I actually, yeah, I'm not going to reveal how much I liked it. Wait till the ratings, right? So I'm, I'm okay, going to okay, no spoilers. Mysterious uh, approach to this podcast. So
1: let, hopefully, our viewers like it. <laughs> um but we're um, i just
2: tell everyone right this is at the like, beginning what i think
1: rudy is is having the discovery writers system uh so he's he's going to uh arbitrarily hide
3: certain parts of- are <laughs> 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 oh, you killing me quite literally don't do that um, <laughs> um i almost forgot what i was going to say but here it is um the parts that i didn't like about the episode were the um you know the the loopholes in away team protocols to a planet that has an ion storm approaching. And you've seen this like a bazillion times around. Oh, yeah. Ion storm approaching, transporter situation, you know, have a backup plan. Don't have some newbie person who is super anxious at the transporter controls. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I wish. I wish... I I wouldn't wish they would have done it better, but I just feel that there is an opportunity in today's day and age to make that a little more interesting. Uh, otherwise, people sometimes like me just feel like, oh no, not again. Um, mm.
1: Yeah, I, I I would have at least appreciated like the shuttle was disabled because blah or or whatever. Because yeah, it, it seems like normal protocol would be to to have the shuttle. Be- not not even just that we're we're beaming people away in time. It's just, they they wouldn't have gotten to the planet uh via transporter they would have uh they would have used the shuttle to get there and then again to leave and then we can have the dramatic episode about how the shuttle crashes and then uh they are stuck there with the uh hyper intelligent computer who's gonna uh manipulate them and uh, try to kill everybody or that they're uh, uh otherwise like out of water and we need to go have like some deep uh heart to heart about how i've always loved you th- things like that uh, uh that we get in in other star trek episodes but like um yeah i i i will say that 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 bugged me a little bit aside from just like the jokiness of um uh uh that maybe someone's going to get duplicated or uh or things like that
3: i mean it's a good plot setup it's been done so many times mm-hmm. um in in in, and i like the whole like the abandoned um the abandoned colony and in, in architectures and it was intriguing right like uh a civilization or a species that's not quite had um, the best impressions in the mind of the Federation, right? Um,
1: mm-hmm.
3: Or Starfleet, and they've left or they've disappeared, and there's this ominous storm approaching. And, and I think the visuals are really nice. Um, I don't know how many times it's happened in TOS. Um, well, TOS is kind of like after this, so it doesn't even matter. Like, but, but in terms of precedent, right? I think in Enterprise, it at least happened once or twice. There was an incident where... Um, they got stuck on a planet, and like people started getting hallucinated. Like they, they were hallucinating, and it was trip. Mm-hmm. And and uh, to I think, and Trip was trying to like he's trying to hurt topal They were in a cave, but it, it's that it's that you got to hunker down for the night kind of thing, which I think yeah. sets up sets up some good intrigue. It's it's a tried and tested formula.
1: Yeah, and and I guess we are we're, we're I mean what we've we're uh, almost 850 episodes of star trek that exist uh it seems like at some at some point we're going to be just like not not even just like kind of hinting at things we're going to be fully repeating or like borrowing a lot of our uh plot elements from like previous episodes of star trek star trek uh, did
2: that when there were only a couple hundred episodes yeah, and, and, and like th- and this
1: one feels like there's a maybe a dozen uh, episodes that have like this same structure and it and it seems like that there's there has to still be kind of like a purpose, uh, for the episode, uh, <laughs> like even even though that like maybe the bones of it feel that feel the same, um, I I I guess it, I mean maybe this is sort of like a wrap up kind of discussion, but I since we're already kind of broaching it, uh, do we feel like this episode, like, do, does this episode have a purpose to you? Like, do you do you feel like you got something out of this beyond? Uh, maybe the straight plot elements, like, was Star Trek a- achieving something that? Uh, yeah. Uh, with this Big one. time. Yeah.
2: totally it was. Totally it was.
3: I, I, I don't want to jump to the end. Let's not yeah, do that now. This... Yeah, yeah. So yeah,
1: I, yeah, yeah. We we can, just, let's move I, along. Th- that st- yeah. That that'll be stuff that we'll we'll handle. Maybe some of those bigger points uh, uh, after the break. But uh, in in terms of the. Um, uh maybe we can talk talk a little bit about like the mechanics of the episode so we where uh people get stranded onto the planet uh 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 pike and spock are are stuck in some sort of uh they get stranded in in an archives uh situation while everyone else is on uh is on the the ship um so the we have this this sort of uh uh mystery that we're setting up with the with the disappearance of the colonists and uh, I, I guess, uh, how do you feel about how that unfolded uh, with with uh, Spock and Pike? Uh, I, I, it's very hard to say P- Spock and Pike for some reason. I'm so like uh, the rest of, of Star Trek Park? is. Yep. Or, or the, you should that, just that, say that, but Also, like Kirk and Kirk and Spock and what? Like oh, I'm yeah. not used to like this pairing. Uh, even oh. though like this is like the pairing that we're going to get a lot with this show, um, uh, it just seems unusual to say it. But uh, I I guess uh, uh, how do we feel about how that that we teased apart that part of the story as far as like what these ghosts of Illyria are and things like that?
2: I felt like that that was such a minor part of the story, like not Mm -hmm. that I wasn't um, not that I wasn't interested in it, but I was more interested and intrigued by what was happening on the ship than I was what was happening with. Pike and Spock. Pike and Spock? That's right. I said it correctly. Now you have me all It, the it, old oh, it good, sounds yeah, wrong as no you're saying it, but it was correct. <laughs> um, so um but I I mean like they had, you know, Spock was kind of teasing out some of the you know, he's reading through the archives and, and you know, they had little pieces that they were teasing with those weird light beings that they saw coming mm-hmm. in the storm and then um You know, slowly figuring out that they weren't something that they needed to be afraid of, you know, so that it kind of picked up speed, I think, as the episode progressed. But I was more interested in what was happening on the ship earlier than I was what was happening with Pike and Spock. I have to think
1: about that every time now. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, um, I I, I put that bug into your head.
3: (laughs) Yeah, permanent. I'm just going to go and call them Spike. It's so much easier. Mostly, yeah. right? <laughs> I
2: think
3: that, again, I think the setup is, is good. It's classic, right? Hunkering down in a storm, but mm. trapped amongst ruins. There's a mystery in play, right? And then there's two mysteries in play now, right? There's something that's um, made its way onto the ship. Um, and and, and um, I think that, I mean, the plot focuses or the end, the the whole umbrella plot focuses on what's happening on the ship more, obviously. Yeah. But at the ba- back of your mind, you always, at least for me, I always felt that there was a solution in the disappearing Illyrians. Um, th- there was a solution in that problem to what was happening on the ship. Right. So, yeah. so there was always a connect and I felt that was good. Uh, it was nice that they were stuck in the archives. It, although It was kind of weird that they, the, the place they found shelter in was the archives. I think he was trying to, get the information and that's why they were there, but it had like a big gaping, like not gaping, but a big open window. That's not a place to hunker down in a, in an ion storm. Um, so I, yeah. I felt that, I felt that part was interesting. Um, yeah. All in all, the first part of the, the uh, episode in terms of setup, I think was, was decent.
1: Well, and I think kind of what's interesting, and you touched up on this a little bit uh, Rudy is I I think I expect uh, if if we if this is just gonna tread along the path that all other Star Treks have, and we have like just a dozen episodes we can reach for, I feel like the way that this is, is supposed to go in Star Trek is that uh uh Pike and Spock are wow this is extremely hard uh you have no idea uh, listeners <laughs> what we're having to do to make our brains say this uh but uh Pike and Spock are I feel like in most other Star Trek episodes uh, that follow this archetype they discover something that's crucial that the enterprise has to know and that without them have being able to communicate this, like the, the enterprise crew will not solve the problem. And so it, it sort of like ends up being like, Oh, well, Spock ends up finding, uh, connecting two different devices and like jury rigging some sort of thing that lets him communicate with the Enterprise, or like the Ion Storm briefly, like uh, they, they communicate with the aliens and create a, a a way to to communicate with with the Enterprise, but that never really happens, and it and it kind of, I feel like we we maybe like have have a satisfying bow to wrap up in terms of like oh they are the ghosts of the Illyrians and like they say some things about like if they weren't genetically engineering themselves to to or reversing their engineering they could join the federation uh then they wouldn't have died i but i i don't know that anything that they discover is like i guess important to the uh to like the mechanics of the plot which i thought was interesting uh and and probably like you said why they don't really spend that much time with that with the b plot because it's uh i think if you think uh if probably if you were to watch the entire thing uh uh without all the cuts like maybe that's uh eight minutes of dialogue mm-hmm. or something like that um so yeah uh, like a, a lot of the uh if you look if you think about like the sequence of it it's just like they say a couple of sentences and then they just like cut back to the ship and then they go back to them and be like oh they're scared about having the door open cut back to the ship <laughs>
2: Well, and so you know, so the back with the ship, the whole um like I I found it interesting the whole way they were teasing out the way the virus was spreading. Or, you know, and it, it definitely anyone else getting flashbacks to COVID, you know, early on, yeah. like when they're contact tracing and we're having lockdown, everyone, you know. Um, you know, one thing I Travis commented on that scene where they um where number one institutes the lockdown, he was he thought he really liked that scene. Um he just thought the prof- you just got to see the professionalism of Starfleet in action. You know, yeah, everyone like was the, receiving their information the snap and they were doing exactly what they needed to do. You know? Yeah. So it was just there were some cool scenes like that sorry I jumped off the planet I just started thinking how much there is no I, I think on the, it's worth ju- ship,
1: jumping so. off the planet like you said it's not um it's not the most the biggest part of the episode not not necessarily the most important uh I, I'm I think the way the way that I'm conceiving like the structure of our episode is like maybe we just try to roll through the plot a little bit yeah. and then we're gonna discuss the, like probably the yeah. two big themes yeah uh, towards the end so I I guess as we're um uh we're sort of like going through these these contra- contact uh tracing type things or or like discovering like the uh the symptoms that that people are um are experiencing. Uh, uh, what was this sort of like a satisfying way to to unravel this like disease or or mystery or whatnot or or uh did you have any uh problems with with how this was going? Again oh sorry go ahead
2: hmm.
3: um again I th- I feel that um the way they showed different people getting infected or different people having different symptoms for me it kept me guessing mm-hmm. um, I I didn't I didn't have the same re- reaction you did Adam in in getting uh, frustrated at uh, number one um I felt that it it her her hesitancy to share her symptoms or like kind of roll out the ship or whatnot Made me feel I wasn't quite sure if she was really hurt or she was too like she was being taken control of some by something else, yeah. mm-hmm. and so there was like a dichotomy there, and I couldn't put my finger on it. But then she was also helpful, um, mm-hmm. so I got I got confused. But for me, it was a good confusion. It was like, yeah. what yeah. is going on here? Um, I had
2: that same experience. Like I, I didn't. It didn't make me. I wasn't getting frustrated with her. It was like another layer of the mystery. I was like, "So okay, clearly she is aware of something, but she's not telling." Like, yeah. Like she, so I, but I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't mad at her. I was just trying to figure out why was she doing that. Like, why is she withholding information from the doctor, and why, mm-hmm. you know? So it was just this mystery that was being teased out. And, what, and I
1: what, feel sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I, I guess maybe that's sort of the the difference in like how this episode is going, cause it feels like often Star Trek is going through like this collaboration, uh, phase is like how they u- are usually on, un- un- res- like, uh, unraveling mysteries. Like maybe instead it would be Dr. Mbanga and, uh, nurse chapel would be the one sort of theorizing, like trying to do the contract tracing and then trying to figure, like do some investigative work to figure out like what, how, w- how was this spreading? Or like, c- are there any antibodies that anyone's developing? Um, but this one was mostly it's, and maybe this fits into her name her na- her name is una. she's called number one uh so maybe she does just like do things by herself sometimes and doesn't involve other people um but i, I feel like even when we've had like um in discovery, we o- often will have uh uh Burnham like going through and like sort of systematically ending up solving the the problem. but I feel like Burnham is usually sort of like talking the uh talking herself or the audience. Or like, or talking to the computer to sort of like theorize like what's happening. Uh, and what was interesting here is, uh, number one, doesn't really do that much in this episode, uh, uh, as far as I can recall. It's it's mostly we see her reacting to things, and we see her sort of like uh, following her instincts of like what she should do next. Like she starts looking looking up the Federation database about Illyrian. Uh, mutations but she doesn't say that she's going to do that she doesn't tell anyone else or like remark about it just says override uh a bunch and um i i just i thought that th- this was an interesting way to to approach this uh by yeah like hiding hiding her motives because she's not explaining to anyone like she, like she doesn't say like <gasps> I guess I'm cured, uh which then like clues the audience in. So it it, it like keeps us guessing in a uh uh I I think you're right Rudy that it's a it's pretty effective uh in how that happens in this episode. Well, there, there are a couple of instances, right? One is when she like looks like, you know, a full-on parith
3: with the red red stuff like flowing <laughs> yes. through her, uh, which actually kind of made me go down that path a little bit. I don't know if that happened if the red stuff in her happened before or after we saw those uh, flowing red things because that very much seemed like parades to me. And maybe there is a connect. Maybe Illyrians are like uh parades are like Illyrians <laughs> did too many modifications on themselves. But so first one was that and the second one was when she tries to defend um the Illyrians just a little bit. Mm-hmm. With Laan in a in a conversation, right? Like in uh well where Lan's like uh well this is why augmentation is bad, blah blah and then she's so we're like Wow, she's actually in my mind. She's like, I'm like, there's something inside her that is, you know, supporting the illusion. So she's definitely not in control. But there's a couple of other cases, and I can't think of them right now, where she is completely altruistic. Maybe in in the med bay or something like that. So I was like, what line is she like? Why is she playing both sides? So uh, it was it was definitely very uh, very intriguing. And also the plot the plot construct and how the virus spread. Right, like. I feel part of the confusion, we feel, I mean, we feel that maybe the ship didn't do enough, but part of the confusion was they put so much faith in the biofilters. They're like, no, yeah. I mean, so if it doesn't recognize something, it'll filter it out. So it's not a question of, you know, um, getting something in that is new. It's, the only problem is something could have, could have been masked, right? So, and I kind of liked how that ended, right? Maybe again, jumping ahead where it wasn't like biochemical but it was it was another it was another vector right uh, similar to how they in in i think in t o s they discovered that or was it or was it t n g where they discovered life can be silicon based as well not just carbon based
1: a, a TOS what definitely right silicon right? based life so
3: yeah. i felt that was that was uh, believable to me that that kind of uh, confusion and intrigue early on
1: mm-hmm yeah. And, and I think the, um, like the, the mechanic, I mean, obviously it, it was definitely like a, a very like Star Trek, wave your hands, uh, and say science at the problem, uh, as far as like, oh, Illyrians are like so genetically modified that they can have an antibody for, uh, radiation or, or, or <laughs> like things like that. But I, I thought it, it was a, it was an effective way to use, um, something that was kind of like hand wavy and, and mysterious and like that this culture has uh, uh, done this to themselves that um, I think w- was just a, uh, it was, a, it was an interesting way to to get our deus ex machina that we needed in order to like solve the, the problem of the episode. Um, so, yeah, uh, I guess uh, I'm trying to think of anything else we want to wrap up in the, in the plot here before we, we dig into like some of the deeper like discussion type things uh, after the break.
2: No, I feel like we kind of covered.
1: Yeah, yep. A lot. Okay, cool. Uh, in in that case, uh, we're gonna take a break here, uh, dear listeners, and uh, join us back in a bit, and we're gonna go deep into the kind of uh, the the big themes of the episode.
0: All my life, I've hated augments. Hated what what people thought of me because I was related to them. Understanding why they were outlawed in the Federation, the damage they did. They almost destroyed Earth. The augments, yes, but not us. My people were never motivated by domination. Illyrians seek collaboration with nature. By bioengineering our bodies, we adapt to naturally existing habitats. Instead of terraforming planets, we modify ourselves. And there's nothing wrong with that. If that's what you believe, why do you hide it? Why hide it from me? I've been hiding it from a lot of people.
1: Welcome back, everybody. Uh as we've said in previous episodes sometimes we don't actually talk about anything in between the break uh and that was the case this time too so sorry i don't have like a, a, a cute story about like some uh product recommendation that somebody has or uh like some other non-sequitur so we're just we're just going going into this so uh this this episode uh pretty pretty early on uh brings up um uh genetic modification as like the the big uh topic of this episode and um i guess uh how how did you feel about how we wrapped up uh or how how we we uh sort of used genetic modification to explore several different topics here uh like what what kind of things were going through your head as you watched the episode
2: I mean, it was clearly dealing with prejudices and mm-hmm. um, preconceived notions or, or uh, set assumptions about why genetic engineering is used. Or, and I, and I found, what I found really interesting is I don't know that we've ever gotten the argument for why genet- genetic uh, manipulation is not bad. Um, like that there can be a good thing about it, you know, and, and the way that number one presents it, I mean, she's just very, like, she's like, I, we don't see it as wrong. Like, why is making ourselves better suited to, um, our environment or, you know, anyway, she's like, why is that, why is that a problem rather than changing the things outside of us? Like, what if we actually do, you know, make the changes within ourselves and it's like, oh, that's kind of a good point you know like i mean i you know i don't yeah, know It yeah, was just yeah. it was interesting to hear a different perspective shared and clearly i think well who was she having that conversation with pike or was she having that conversation with Mbenga? i can't remember now
1: uh she was having it with um with laon oh, at the end yeah was it laon
2: okay <laughs> um and uh I, I don't know how able Laon was able to receive that um yeah I, I think i said able too many times but uh Because of her past experiences with, um, you know, being targeted because she has ancestors who are genetically modified, which also brings out another aspect of prejudices and the ways that sometimes we get locked into them because of. Um, The experiences that we've had growing up or the way we were raised or anyway, it just touched on a whole lot of different things with that, which that's totally Star Trek. Like Star Trek does that really well. So and I thought this episode did it better even than some others have. I
3: totally agree. So they touched on a plethora of issues. Um, You you mentioned all of them, Emily. and, And the key for me was the way they did it in a non forced manner that was believable and wrapped mm-hmm. into the plot. Uh, and for me, it kept, it, it kept coming. There was a sense a series of realizations. Oh, she's talking about this. Oh, and it applies to, it applies to, you know, like names. And we have, we have issues in our real world today with in terms of names and Islamophobia you know, mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, and, and I think the, the dynamic with, Um, Well, Anne was um, also very interesting because she was obviously prejudiced, but there was was a rationality or maybe sort of a background that helped you empathize with that prejudice a little bit. So I felt it was a very interesting, um, almost centrist view, like a radical centrist view on things like a bipartisan. I'm sorry, I'm throwing political terms out here, which may make no (laughs) sense. But it Starship was like, is never political. There you go, right? <laughs> um you, you kind of saw both sides and mm. and I think I think that was it was it was phenomenal. And and that's the Star Trek I remember like growing up mm-hmm. to and and maybe I'm um you know stuck in the old ways, but I, I felt I felt that come out organically and naturally in this episode, right? Like I, yeah. I, I really did, uh, whether it was Prejudice, pre- prejudice towards the Illyrians, um, prejudice towards names. Um, I I really felt that was strong. Um, and again, I won't go to the end, but um, it was a great build up.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think kind of what what impressed me most with this episode is I I feel like especially it feels like especially now Star Trek is is very aware that it is. Um, probably like extra aware that it is like kind of fallen behind in a lot of uh areas of like uh uh being progressive and whatnot, like uh that there weren't any LGBTQIA characters in Star Trek until like uh I, I guess like Sulu was like Confirmed sure to be acting. canon, gay or whatever uh, it, things like that in in uh, in Star Trek Beyond and whatnot, and and like that was sort of like how Star Trek uh, was like, oh yeah, we're we're totally uh, totally with it, everybody, and like it, it feels like to some degree maybe Discovery is trying to like um, do a lot of like correction in that, like making sure to uh, uh, have like uh, curate a more um, diverse cast and whatnot, and a lot of their. Um, sort of the, the the plot lines and storylines kind of go in that direction too. But what I appreciated about this is that it, there wasn't just the um, like official Federation uh, viewpoint presented. Like it wasn't just like, uh, I I feel like often you'd have like Picard would uh, say some sort of high minded ideal thing. And then it would be sort of assumed that everyone kind of believes that, that like, yeah, we shouldn't have any bigotry or any prejudice uh, because uh, such and such. But uh, in this episode we we show how uh like Pike obviously is like doing something very noble where he's like putting himself in danger uh by continuing to like hide uh 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 Commander uh Una Una Chin Riley, uh trying to hide her um sort of the the fact that she lied to to Starfleet and things like that. But in in doing that, he's taught the way he's talking to her is a uh, it's uh and she she highlights that in her in her log. A lot of it is very focused on like, well you're you're exceptional, you saved the day, like you did all of these things, you're the best uh commander in, in Starfleet and all these things. And I, I remember as I was watching it, it was like uh this is like, this is an interesting way for you to be talking about this. And I was so satisfied with her, with how she responded to to it in her log at the end, pointing out how he's, he's kind of giving her the speech about like how she's one of the good ones. And that uh, like, she appreciates what he did, but like, why do I still feel like shit? And it's, it's, because uh Pike is still not getting close in and sort of making it clear to her that she is valuable just as a person and uh, I, I was so impressed that they were able to like th- thread that line just perfectly yeah. where they they can um, they can present like the the moral lesson but show how a variety of characters are trying to sort of make their way towards that like um, the the most progressive viewpoint or whatever but they're all falling on different different wavelengths it's similar to like mbenga says similar lines about like i'm a physician like bigotries don't matter to me type type thing it's sort of like a I don't see color uh mm-hmm. maybe a, a little bit which is is I, I at least appreciate having a black guy be the one that that gives that uh <laughs> that take or whatever but it's a um the yeah, I I I appreciate the, the how complicated uh they were able to portray this issue as.
2: Well, and you know, um you know, number one was really trying to get across that I Illyrians, right, Illyrians. Illyrians, right? yeah. Illyrians, that Illyrians are not bad because they genetically engineer themselves. Like that's that's not doesn't make them Yeah um and and Pike wasn't able to see that, you know, like Pike, Pike was just seeing that, but you're one of the good Illyrians. And it's like, she's yeah. and her point. It was no, no, that's, we all do this. Like I'm representative of Illyrians. And so if you see good in me, then you should be able to see good in other Illyrians. It shouldn't just be reserved for me. Um, but yeah, Travis had the exact same. He's like, I hope you guys talk about this on the podcast. So it's awesome that you brought it up because that was, he said, I was not feeling satisfied with what Pike said. He's like, I appreciated his acceptance of her, but mm-hmm. that felt a little icky. And I'm so glad that she, she felt that too. Yeah. Like she oh. called it out. So.
1: Yeah. Cause it, it, so I, I feel like Star, Star Trek is like kind of broached sub subject. It's, it's often been like a, um, yeah, it's it's been one one dimensional or 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 like just very it's uh, sort of like very clear what what uh, where things are at the end mm-hmm. of the episode and uh, yeah I I just I appreciated that we showed several different levels of it I I think I interrupted you uh, Rudy
3: no no yeah I was I had something to say but I think I may be off in between um so so early days right and and sometimes when when things are said in Star Trek episodes that become emphatic and, you know, become legendary. And we refer to them again and again in the future. You know, sometimes it happens immediately after that episode is aired. Sometimes it takes years and reruns and rewatches. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like that last piece, I mean, the deletion log bit, it takes me back to In the Pale Moonlight and all yeah, that, yeah. right? So maybe I'm biased a little bit. I think this is one of the most emphatic, you know, pieces in Trek in general, mm-hmm. like it was so well written. I, I was, uh, and I'm giving you a little bit of a hint of what I feel about the episode. So I won't say much <laughs> again. Um, it was so well written, but, and, and here's, um, there's, there's a set of differences that I want to call out. So in the Picard era, right. Um, um, Picard was Picard stood for the Federation was right. What was, what was good. And then sometimes <laughs> they touched upon, right. Like the authority can be bad, can be messed up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Picard fought it, uh, fought the authority and and fought the status quo, like measure of a man and whatnot. Um, um, and and then everybody felt relieved in in a higher ideal that was always there that the Federation, you know, probably stood for, and Picard reinforced it, and everybody trusted Picard, right, to carry that 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 flag or whatever, um, that flame mm-hmm. through. In this case. And it's interesting because it's it's before TOS, right? So yeah, we, the viewers, the, the legacy viewers, people like us, right? We know that there's going to be like weird and nasty stuff happening in the future. So it it's the way they've tackled the problem here is the ideals are not necessarily at a higher level that everybody can take reassurance from. There's almost like a decentralized responsibility towards individuals and fighting for them. Like at the end, just the 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 point you guys made. Right, We don't know if Pike is going to be okay trying to defend um, Una. Like, We don't know what's going to happen and, and we're kind of worried and the Federation may be a problem there. So I, I just feel, and again with Pike, I feel that um, I think this is where Strange New Worlds gets a better than Discovery. If Pike had gone off on a rant on what is morally correct, right? And what is important and that's why defending Una is the right thing to do as opposed to Una being one of the crew and that's why he's defending her. Um, I think it may have, it's hard to do that as a leader, right? The, the way you give somebody comfort for me is by saying, we got you covered. Don't worry. Right. Like leaders mm-hmm. diving into too much detail is sometimes it's, it's it sometimes backfires. So I know Picard would do that well, but in one-on-one conversations, I think, I think a actually got that right. Um, but I feel there's more responsibility on the crew and the dynamics and the relationships of the people on the ground to stand for Federation ideals as opposed to like, hey, there's this ulterior goodness, like utopian goodness that will somehow win because we always have, you know, that's that's because this is make-believe, right? So mm-hmm. I, I like that part. I, I liked um, the anxiety that created. And, and to your point, quickly touching upon the last um last call out or, or the last phrase is the, the reason I liked it is it, it touched so much on bias, right? Did they like me because I was one of them? Did they yeah. like me because I was a hero? And did we as viewers like it because it's um, Rebecca Romijn Stamos, right? Is Romaine that how you say St- it?
2: Or, Rom- I think Romaine. she's just Rebecca Romaine
3: now. Yeah. Rebecca Romaine Yeah. So, and she's like good looking and, and, and mm-hmm. so did, did that appeal to us more? And, and what if it was, you know, somebody else, what if it was a poor uh, Paul Atreides <laughs> who did this? Would we, would we, we don't even know him. Right. So it, it shines a big light on bias and, and micro biases and inherent biases. Mm-hmm. And I felt a lens back to me, right. Like the last few sentences, like, what if it was somebody else, right. Who did this and it wasn't this good looking first officer.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause it, it's uh, it, you're, you're absolutely right that there's, there's some level of, uh Pike doesn't need to reach for like the higher minded ideals of the federation or or like what they're all doing because yeah from his perspective he's defending his his crewmates uh like the 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 thing that uh, like even if he like disagrees with like uh, uh maybe he maybe he personally like doesn't think that uh you should allow people who are genetically modified like into starfleet or or things like that but he would still act the way that he does right now because once you have your crew, uh, you defend them to, to your, your last. And, and it's, it's interesting showing how you can fit along like one of the moral, uh, uh, guidelines or whatnot, but still fail on, on other, other levels. And so it's, uh, yeah, it, it, I was just, I was very satisfied. And I think you're right that this is like, uh, this episode like feels more important uh than a lot of other episodes. Uh and it and maybe it's a little bit um it's not as obvious uh watch uh sort of like watching it through the first time or or it it's 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 through your discussions that happen afterward that you start to realize like uh the impact that this one could have.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: How did y'all feel about uh, Nurse Chapel and Mbenga's because they kind of went through that same you know just in time logic logic driven decision process, right? Like, so in Pike's Mm -hmm. mind, Pike's mind, it was, um, you're the best first officer in the fleet, right? Um, So it doesn't matter to me. Does that mean if you're the best first officer in the fleet, you could be a mass murderer? It doesn't matter to me? I mean, obviously not. But (laughs) I mean, there's a spectrum there, right? Yeah. Uh, So Mm -hmm. he went through that decision process himself. um, With Nurse Chapel and Mbenga, it was like, they also like. I don't care that Julian. Now there's like some rules and guidelines and directives. But if it's going to help, we're in the situation right now. We'll go ahead and do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, Nurse Chapel takes that like or shares her opinion, and then Mbenga is li- little further down. He talks about bigotry. So it's interesting how different um, crew members uh, approach this kind of similarly, but in their own way. It's yeah. It's almost like the way I see it. Um, you're more good than harm.
1: You're more at least yeah.
3: for Nurse Chapel and, and yeah, back.
1: yeah. N- your nurse Nurse Chapel is definitely you're more good for, good than harm uh, because it it's she has a line that's something along the lines of like, um, like I know it's against Starfleet regulations, but like if if I could use your blood to help us, like I I would. Like I I don't I don't care about uh that that kind of things, but but that does sort of feel like maybe Nurse Chapel is aligned with una here because it's more of a um ends justify the means from from her perspective of like mm-hmm. she just wants to save the most people so if if what i have to do is compromise on my morals i'm gonna go do that uh and then mbenga is more uh the he knows that like bigotry or maybe this is one more bigotry that we need to conquer and he's he's seen these these problems uh but sort of like he doesn't personally care about them as a physician type well, thing
2: but I also felt during that whole scene with the Manga, I'm like there is something else happening underneath that we are not aware of. Like it yeah. was just really and obviously we find that out at the end of the episode that it's his daughter is being held in stasis. But um uh but I mean like I just like I hardly even heard what he was saying to her because I was trying to figure out why he was being so weird. Like I was like, there's just <laughs> yeah. something not something's not right, you know, like, like either, either he has contracted this and it's affecting him in a way he was not anticipating or I, I don't know. And I'm, it, yeah. So I just, I had a hard time actually taking in what he was saying. Cause I was trying to just figure out the mystery still, you know, yeah, and, <laughs> I'm like, and there's think, something else happening here.
1: <laughs> I, I think mechanically that was the, the one place where I feel like the episode maybe f- fell down a little bit mm-hmm. more is that, uh, I mean the the actor that I've, I I don't have uh, the list of actors up up here right now, um, but the the actor who who portrays uh, Mbenga gave an incredible um, uh, uh, is uh, unfortunately I, I have not prepped how to uh, pronounce his name, but uh, Bob's uh, Olu San Sanmokun uh, it there was a lot of complexity in how he was sort of like acting through those moments. And I think it's because like, obviously he knows the, uh, why he's doing all these things, but every, every like thing that he said, like, there was a, there was a deeper frustration that you could sense in his voice. Yes. uh, When he was talking about like one, it would be great if she could help, but she can't, he's already looked into it, but that you could tell that there's like still something else going on there. And yeah, I, I was, I was extremely impressed with how, Uh, how he portrayed that. But honestly, I was very confused uh, with Mm -hmm. sort of the, the wrap of, of the episode where Pike sort of says like, Oh, uh, by the way, it's the, the transporters are, are how the, uh, what caused this, Uh, which in Pike's discussion, that made me feel like, Oh, uh, because I'm the captain and I'm defending my crew, I have come up with the official way we're going to cover this up. Um, And so I, then I was confused as to like, why, uh number one like acted in the rest of the the scenes with mbenga and whatnot i i think what was happening is that the medic that medical transporter is actually the cause like there was something wrong with the biofilters um because they weren't like networked properly with each other um but uh, it's just like it, that was like such a weird, complicated mm-hmm. uh, sort of like MacGuffin to have caused the problem that I I was just, I was instead of like being fully present in the wrap up of the the episode, I was just a little bit confused. I don't know if anyone mm-hmm. else felt that way too. Mm-hmm. No,
3: I I did too a little. I um yeah I I I kind of fell for that. It was almost like a a double punch or a sucker punch in terms mm-hmm. of. And I think that's what they're trying to go for, the writers, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Mm -hmm. So you're just trying to recover from like, okay, Una's, you know, compromised and there's going to be a plot arc around how they protect her going forward, right? And so there's this whole bit about um, she needs to be protected and she is going to be taken care of by the crew. And then in under like three minutes or whatever, five minutes, you've uncovered another compromising situation right where somebody is doing something that's potentially illegal and they have emotionally justifiable reasons for that and and in both cases both officers do the right thing right they mm-hmm. for the greater good one wants to resign their commission the other will will not risk the lives of the crew but then una is given an opportunity to say nope your 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 you know transporter needs a separate power source um, so it doesn't sort of glitch um, when we need to drop power for emergency situations to the main transporter. So we will run a line directly from the warp core. And I think, I mean, I guess maybe it's 90s Hollywood, right? And making people feel good. But that 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 double punch for me was like, wow, this team is really connected, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's not just the, the, the strong protecting the weak, everybody is weak in their own way. And they're, they're sort of like shielding each other. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, they're gonna, they're gonna come out successful through a lot of situations. So that, um, I'll be honest, I I don't, I don't get teary-eyed in Star Trek episodes. I got teary-eyed at the end of this one because it, it, it kind of, they kind of caught me twice. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And I wasn't, I wasn't trying to figure out the mechanics as much. So it was different for me. Usually that doesn't happen to me.
1: Mm -hmm. yeah i i I can definitely see that there's um yeah this is this episode was really good at the um sort of showing the different ways that the that the crew is interacting with each other and like defending each other and uh I, i guess it makes me think about how um it seems clear in this series we're gonna we're not doing quite so much of the like discovery thing where like maybe characters are going to like outright have fights with each other or like distrust each other over multiple uh, episodes or feel betrayed or, or, or things like that. It's more that like we can still have conflict, but the conflict is more centered on um, sort of those like momentary misunderstandings that people have and, or like they have their own secrets as, secrets or, or, or um, weaknesses uh, as they're going about uh, their work. But like ultimately the, like they're in this for each other, which uh, I, I, I'm, I'm appreciating, it. And, and I think it's it's still like an interesting way to um, to approach the this storytelling. Um, yeah, and you
3: have two I, two two huge plot lines, or like this is episodic. The series of the season is episodic, mm-hmm. but now you have two arcs that you can use and build amazing stories around. Right?
1: Like in uh-huh. both cases with Mbenga and and with Yeah, so that's that's I think that's very well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, and it feels like a it's this lighter serialization makes it so that, uh, yeah, I have some guesses as to something that might be covered in a future episode, but it's not, I'm not expecting us to like dive straight into uh, us resolving Mbenga's uh, uh, situation. Like, I, I think maybe that's like episode seven, we might touch on it a little bit or mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, one more thing that I wanted to mention before we get into ratings uh, was just the... Uh, in terms of like the the bigotry argument, I I thought even though the maybe mechanically the story didn't fit in with what was going on on the Enterprise, but the that idea of these of the Illyrians on the planet kind of killing themselves to fit in, uh, fit very well mm. with this this same overarching uh, uh, narrative about bigotry of like you uh, uh people having to change absolutely everything about themselves uh in order to to be considered like one of the good ones uh mm-hmm. to fit in and so it, it was just like a a a great moment of like tragedy uh showing that like these people are all dead now because uh like of our bigotry uh and like we were't uh we weren't willing to let them in and like help them out in in these types of situations because uh we're afraid of like Their culture contaminating ours, or things like that.
2: But good, the good thing that they died and had the became these light beings because they were able to save us so that you know yeah. we, we they didn't really were die the good in ones. the storm. He <laughs> <So. laughs> <laughs> didn't say it quite that way, no. but was it wasn't that Spock said something to the effect of you know, because they couldn't leave, we you know, we were spared, or whatever. I can't remember he yeah. said it,
1: but um. Yeah, so uh, anything anyone wants to uh, get in before we get into ratings?
2: I was just going to pull up a little trivia because I was trying, as I was watching the episode, I was trying to determine I know that obviously there's nothing in Star Trek canon prior to Strange New Worlds aside from the cage that discusses the character of number one. Um, So, but there have been stories that have been written, or Star Trek novels that have been written that have delved into her character a little bit, and I'd heard about some of these, so I just wanted to share some of them. Um, So there was the novel Vulcan's Glory by Star Trek original series writer DC Fontana, um, which suggested this character's moniker was not simply a nickname or title. She was an Illyrian who was called number one as the best intellect among her generation. The novels The Children of Kings and Child of Two Worlds explain that Number One does have a given name, but it's difficult to pronounce for non Illyrians. The former suggests that she liked to be called by this name rather than her own, as it enabled her to maintain a professional relationship with her captain. The novel The Enterprise War describes her as having been raised in Illyrian colonies and thus, while not actually being Illyrian herself, having adapted much of that species' emotional self-control, her actually being Illyrian and raised in Illyrian colony was confirmed colony was confirmed by canon. Uh confirmed canon and strange new worlds, but that shows that they were pulling from some of the stuff that came up in the novels. Um, yeah. But then they do say in the novel, captain to captain, she is referred to as Una. Um, the novel explained that she had adopted the name Una as far back as her Academy days due to her real name being all but impossible to pronounce. Anyway. So I just, I thought that was interesting that they kind of pulled from, from some non-canonical sources that are still yeah. licensed Star Trek sources to um, flesh out her character.
1: Yeah. So, uh, don't worry, it's not a complete waste of time reading those Star Trek novels. They, right. they they might reference them uh, in background for a future Excellent. series. So yeah, I, I, I do. Yeah, uh, <laughs> those those are those are real good novels. q Squared, uh, Q Squared's good yeah, too. Peter anyway. Peter David's uh, yeah, he's a good. I like his. I like his. Uh, He's a great writer um, of Star Trek. I, I I don't know anything about his other stuff. Uh, I'm sure he does other things too. <laughs> I I don't know why I qualified that, but uh, yeah. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, we good to go into ratings then.
2: Yeah,
1: uh, who wants to jump out with a rating? I'll go. Okay. Um,
3: I am going to give it um, nine point nine seven five. <laughs> is that the is that the max warp speed that uh, <laughs> so Enterprise I'm D has, right? <laughs> right um I think that, because I think it's game early game in the
2: voyager head yeah yeah, yeah it's Talked
3: about our
1: 9975 yeah. i can't
3: remember which um yeah yeah so 9.975 um uh, benevolent energy beings um <laughs> out of out of 10 um because this this had a little bit of everything it had a workable uh, reused plot um Shown a le- sh- shown a lens on us as people who potentially have biases and need to have mm-hmm. a little bit more of an open, open mind. Did it well, um, set up um, storylines that can be touched upon uh, in the next episodes or even seasons in the future. So, all in all, this is the trek I remember, uh, and I am so so excited for um, this uh, this show this this season. Yeah, th- these characters. Nice.
2: I think I'm, I'm in agreement, except I'm just going to go five out of five, which would be 10 out of 10. But um, I just, I, you know, and it's funny because I was going to give it a little bit lower score before we started talking. But as we started talking, I mean, just what they did with the juxtaposition of the conversation between uh, number one and Pike and then moving into number one's log was just I mean, it was yeah. just it was like. The stuff Star Trek dreams are made of. It was it was good stuff. Um, and just I mean, it was like Star Trek doing Star Trek even better than it has. Um, so I really appreciated that. And I really I, I, I haven't had time to do this. I watched the episode last night, which is a lot later than I normally watch the Star Trek episodes. But um, I wanted to immediately go back and watch it again when I finished it and that hasn't happened very often. So um I, so I am going to go back and rewatch this cuz I really did enjoy the episode and I want to catch a few more things. But I yeah, said it was great. I, so. I, I full, fully re- full fully recommend it. <laughs> uh
1: yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> I, I I think like my, my my first watching I I wasn't uh, as as interest, interested in the episode I thought that there were a lot of uh, a lot of fun aspects to it um, but I I really did like the that like moral philosophy argument uh, side of things but as you, you, you all have have uh, convinced me to to rate this one a, a good deal higher I I think I'll still knock a point off for uh what the ending just still feels a little bit confusing to me I feel like I have to like think really hard to to get like why the why Mbenga is at fault at all. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I'm going to rate this one a nine, but like the, the, in terms of like, uh, I fully agree on like the importance of this episode and that this, this is one that like is worth talking about for years to come. Uh, with, with that, uh, I think we're ready to go into the end credits. So I'm going to thank uh, Emily and Rudy here for uh, joining me on this episode uh, of strange yeah. new takes. Thanks, Thanks Adam. Adam. Uh, i want to thank uh uh bill dinah max and notch uh for uh being there to to join us at other times I, whether that is uh in our uh uh star trek rpg or in uh episodes themselves uh i want to thank you listeners for uh just uh joining us every single week it's it's uh fabulous to be able to uh share our thoughts with you. Uh, And I also want to give a thanks to uh, Jishnu Guha for our theme music. Uh, Just incredible to be able to have that uh, sort of uh, start and end every one of our episodes. And I want to give a special thanks to Hammer. It's refreshing to have someone who is just grumpy in a show filled with idealistic optimists. (laughs) Uh, Thanks, everybody. And bye. Bye. Bye.